Well, good evening and praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to today's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Every one of our listeners in the United States, welcome back. Good to have you again. All of our listeners all over the world, every other country on the globe, we're honored to have you once again. Welcome everyone to Marriage and Family Clinic in Southern Virginia. We're coming to you on WGPL 1350 AM and WPCE 1400 on your AM dial as well as WBXB 100.1 on your FM dial. And listen, you can also listen to the live stream. You can listen to this live stream every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, listen to the live stream simply by tuning in at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast uh, in the Marriage and Family uh, clinic series, you can find the podcast simply by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Podbean. Let me give those to you again. You can listen to the podcast again by searching Bishop C.D. Hodges on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just search Bishop C.D. Hodges, you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. I want to remind you of the mission of Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick. And ultimately, we want to help you grow and repair and perfect your marriage and your family relationships. Here we are once again. Thank God for our presence with you on this evening. Well, I have a pretty special announcement today. Yeah, I've got a really special announcement today. Hold on to your socks. Fasten your seatbelt, everybody. Here's the announcement. Today is my birthday. Yeah, that's it. February the 1st. Today is my birthday. February the 1st. Several years ago, I entered into the world. Uh, February 1st, the day my mother labored to deliver me. My mother told me this morning that I was born at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And I praise God for her being able to remember that. I don't know if that's a motherly thing or whatever, but I can't even recall the days of the week that my four sons were born. Uh, I know they were born at night, but I don't know the day of the week. But uh, nevertheless, that's the day, February the 1st, the day I came into the world. Just uh, slipped in here slipped in here. And I don't think I gave my mother too hard of a time. Uh, I don't know if she'll agree with that or whatever the case may be. Uh, with all of that said, though, I'm just grateful to have been born. I tell you, I am so deeply, deeply, truly, utterly, indescribably grateful and thankful to God for keeping me through this much of my life through everything I've been through, through everything I put others through. He's brought me through the hurt that others cause me. He's brought me through the hurt that I cause others. Listen, I've been doing this thing long enough to know that without God, I could do nothing. Without him, my life would fail. And as good as God has been to me, as much as God has put up with from me, as many times as God has forgiven me, I pray that I can make a God difference for eternity in the lives of a whole lot of people. I just want to point a whole lot of people towards God, even on Marriage and Family Clinic in here. 
I want to point a lot of people towards God. I don't know how much longer I'll be here on the earth. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm on the downside. <laughs> I'm not claiming anything. I don't plan on leaving here anytime soon. The Lord wills. But I'm pretty sure I'm on the downside. But whatever time I have left, whatever time I have left, I want to make it good. I want to make it count. I want to make it count for eternity. I want to make it count for God's glory. All right. Now, I know it's going to be a while, but I just want to make it count. However long it is, I'm asking the Lord just to help me. Help me to minister and turn the hearts and the minds of men and women to heaven. Turn the hearts and the minds of men and women to him. So I'm saying to me, I don't have to wait on anybody to say it to me. I'm saying to myself, happy birthday. I'm saying to myself, even as Mr. Spock used to say to Captain Kirk, live long and prosper. Wish you could see my Star Trek symbol here, my Vulcan uh, uh, farewell symbol here. Uh, live long and prosper to self. And in case you're asking, in case you want to know, I'm 59 years old today. As of today, I have made 59 revolutions around the sun. 59, my goodness. To some, that sounds like an extremely long time. To some, you're saying, huh, you ain't nothing. You're still a pup. Well, I, all I know is God has been good. That's what I know. All right. All right. So let's get to today's lesson. Let's get to today's discussion. Uh, I want to talk to you about what it takes to make a marriage work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to float in and out of marriage here, but I really want you to get an idea of what it takes to make a marriage work. And I'm, I'm just going to talk to you from my heart on today uh, about what it takes to make a marriage work, how we're going to have to look inside if there's going to be a hope of your marriage, if there's going to be a hope of any of your relationships lasting and being meaningful, you're going to have to look inside. You got to do some serious mirror time. You know, over the last week and a half, almost two weeks or so, I watched a couple of movies on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, now, these were cheap movies. They were cheesy. The actors were bad. Believe me, they're not winning any awards for good acting. They're not winning any cinematography or, or special effects. They're not winning any kind of awards. Uh, it, it was almost like watching the play in your local hometown theater. You know how painful they can be sometimes. Uh, but the plots drew me in. The plots drew me in. And, and it's not that the plots were that novel. It's not that the plots were new or, or something that I hadn't seen or hadn't heard before. As a matter of fact, the plots were the very substance that makes up the, the, the substance or, or, or the content of marriage and family clinic. But for some reason, as I watched these two or three movies, they just drew me in. They drew me in. One movie was about a woman who shacked up with a man uh, but she always went to church. And she thought she was okay because she always went to church. She thought the shacking was okay as long as she went to church in the Bible study every week. Her mother tried to tell her about it. Her father tried to tell her about it. Her good friend tried to tell her about it. And she rebuffed. She rejected all of their guidance. She rejected all of their warning. And the man that she was shacked up with, she begged him to go to church. She begged him for a couple of years to go to church. And when he finally went to church, the word that was preached, I mean, it hit him deeply. It hit him deeply. And that word hit him so deeply 
that he was amazed at his girlfriend with whom he was shacking up. It hit him so deeply that they went back to their house and, and he asked the woman, how could you live like you're living preaching that type of word? You're under that type of word. How do you live like you're living? And the woman that he was shacked up with, she took off on him. I mean, she went off him like she did her mother, like she did her father, and like she did her best friend. Why are you judging me? Who are you to judge me? And I found out in this thing also, the only people who ever cry out that judging thing are those who know that they're wrong. You know somehow or another what you're living is not right, and that's why you cry out as a defense, why are you judging me? There was one movie, I wish I had time to talk about it. The other movie, there was another one about a man and a woman who just lost track of their marriage. They didn't give each other time. They didn't make each other priority. They lost track of their marriage, got too much into careers, so forth and so on. They thought it was just a spell. They would blow over. Many things got in the way of them caring for each other. And one day when he couldn't take no more, and it wasn't even another woman yet. It wasn't even another woman. But one day when he thought it was all over, he came home and said, we haven't been happy for a long time and I want a divorce. Now again, these movies, as cheesy as they were, the bad acting at all, they touched a nerve in me. And I just want to tell you about some things that I, I, I drew from those movies. Nothing new, nothing novel. I just want to talk to you about the nerve that these movies touched in me. Talk to you from my heart. And the first thing I want to tell you the first thing I want to tell you is that we got to make a bigger deal of our marriage vows. If your marriage is going to work, if your marriage is going to be meaningful and fulfilling, you got to make a bigger deal of your marriage vows. You know what? It would be smart if we actually studied the marriage vows before we got married. We're making a vow. We stand at the altar at the wedding ceremony to make a vow. And I tell you what's a better thing to do. It's better to you to make a vow and knowing that you make a vow and make a life to live that vow rather than to spend thirty, forty, and fifty thousand dollars on a wedding over some good feeling that you have. We need to make a bigger deal of wedding vows. We need to raise our children, having them understand what a vow means, what it means to make a promise, what a covenant means. We need to have loyalty to our vows more than we need loyalty to our feelings. Listen, listen at the marriage vow. Listen to it. Will you take this woman to be your wedded wife, promising to keep, cherish, and defend and to be her faithful and true husband so long as you both shall live? So long as you both shall live, will you promise? Do you promise? Do you promise to keep her, to cherish her, to defend her, and to be faithful to her? Do you promise that? We're allowing too much to interfere with our promises. My goodness, I want to talk to you from my heart. Now, I'm already feeling like I'm going to need another week to get through this. And that's the husband. To the woman, will you take this man to be your wedded husband, promising to adhere unalterably to him in all life's changes and to be his loving wife to death divide you? Now, you can find any, any variation of the marriage vows. 
You can find any variation. Nobody uses the obey anymore. We seem to have grown out of the obey. We don't say that to the uh, prospective uh, wife anymore. But this part from the husband, it's always the same. Do you promise to keep, to cherish, and defend her, and to be faithful to her and her true husband? My God, that's a mouthful. Not only is that a mouthful, that's a heart fool. And if you work it like a vow, if you work it like a promise, it's a life fool. It's a life fool. And we need to be loyal to the vows that we make. It makes no difference who winks at us, men. We made a vow. It makes no difference if what woman makes eyes at us across the restaurant. We made a vow. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. I take thee to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death us do part. My God. We need a lesson in marriage vows. Why do we not teach our children the marriage vows while as they grow? Why do we not teach our children? You know, marriage is one thing we don't teach our children among many things that our children definitely need for life. There's some things that our children definitely need for life that we don't bother teaching. We need to teach the marriage vows instead of teaching our experience. We need to teach the marriage vows. And you know what? So many of us will teach marriage to our children or we will give a relationship guidance and relationship advice to our children or to anybody else to that, for that matter, friends and family. We will give relationship advice and guidance based on our experience. Well, let's amend that today. When we're dealing one with another, let's give relationship advice. Let's give relationship guidance based on our experience in comparison to, in contrast with the marriage vows. So you take your experience where you promise, where you promise to cherish, defend, and be faithful to her, where you promise to keep her. Now measure, analyze, examine closely your experience and ask yourself, did I do this? Have I cherished her? Have I kept her? Have I defended her? Have I been faithful to her? It's not who's right or who is wrong. It's not pointing a finger at her. It's not defending yourself. But if you want to give some marriage, some relationship guidance, if you want to give some marriage, some relationship advice, then take your experience, stack it up against the marriage vows, Take an honest assessment, make an honest examination, and then see how you come out. And that's, that's how you would give your relationship guidance and your relationship advice. Are you hearing me here? I'm telling you that's a mouthful, that's a heartful, that's a lifeful. I promise how good is your word. 
How good is your word? In order for a promise to be broken, there ought to be something that happens to supersede the promise. When a promise is broken, there should be justification for the promise being broken. And when the promise is made to keep, to cherish, to defend, and be faithful to your wife, you and your wife having communication problems, that is not justification for breaking the promise. You and your wife, quote-unquote, falling out of love is not justification for breaking the promise. If you decide that you're no longer, <laughs> that you're no longer going to have her or hold her for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, if you decide that you're no longer going to love her and cherish her, if you decide that you're no longer going to do that, if anything other than death comes between you, there ought to be really, really reasonable justification. And some of the things that we split up over, it's not reasonable justification. Let me tell you something. No matter how much, how much childhood trauma you have come through, no matter how much childhood trauma you have come through, and you may still suffer from it when you get married, you may still feel the effects of your childhood trauma when you get married, and you have this quasi-anger issue, and you take it out on your wife, or you take it out on your husband. Let me tell you something. Because you made the promise to keep her, to cherish her, to defend her, and to be faithful to her until death parts you. Because you made the promise. Your anger problem as a result of your childhood trauma, that is not reasonable justification for divorce. You need to be honest enough with yourself to seek help and to get help if for no other reason you made a promise. You made a promise. My God, hallelujah. Oh, I don't think I'm going to get to the rest of this. You may, any number of things may have hurt you in your life. Any number of things may have broken your heart. Any number of events, occurrences, happenings, incidents. Any number of things may have affected you deeply. But let me tell you something. Hardly anything affects us deeply. And the people in our lives do not give us clues to the parts of our personality that needs work. Mmm. Oh, my, 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 my. There are not many things that affect us and that, and that impact us deeply. There are not many things that, that take a grab a hold of, of our minds and grab a hold of our hearts. Not many things show up in our personalities. Not many things show up in our attitudes that are negative, that, that press people the wrong way. There are not many things that show up. And somebody in our lives doesn't try to clue us in on it. So your mother, your father, just like the young lady in the movie, just like the young lady in the movie, 
one of the young ladies in one of the movies, oh my goodness, she had a habit of going after married men. And her friend asked her, why do you always choose to be the backseat woman? Oh my God. And that's what you need in your life. That is what you need in your life. You need a friend who loves you enough to ask you a heart penetrating, a soul convicting question such as why do you always choose to be the backseat woman? Of course, she fell out with the friend. She got angry with the friend. She got upset with the friend. And again, said, why are you judging me? You don't know me. You don't know where I'm coming from. Listen, I'm telling you something here. I'm trying to clue you in on something. There's nothing that will grab you deeply that people in your life who are close to you are not trying to clue you into. And if you have ignored their clues or if you have not tuned into their clues, if you have rejected their clues, or if you think that nobody has even given you a clue, I dare you to ask someone, do you think there's anything about my personality that makes me unmarriable? Do you think there's anything in my personality that I'm going to have to work out if I intend to be married or to stay married? Oh, I dare you to have that much faith. I dare you to have that much confidence. And some of you out there, you're never going to ask a question like that because you don't want to know the answer. You don't want to hear the answer. You already know the answer, but you don't want to hear the answer. I'm telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. Study those vows. Even if you're married. Even if you're married. I saw a couple... Uh, uh, I kind of chuckled a little bit. I guess it's about a month ago. A young couple that I know, they'd been married, I think, a year. They'd been married a year, and already they want to renew their marriage vows. And I'm like, my God, you married a year, and already you're going to renew your marriage vow? My first thought was, you haven't even been married long enough to experience the totality of your vows. That was my first thought. You haven't been married enough long enough. You haven't been married long enough to know whether or not you're going to cherish her and love her and keep her and defend her until death do you part. You haven't withstood enough storms of life to say whether or not you're going to be here until death do you part. So that was my first thought. You haven't been married long enough to understand the totality of the marriage vows. But then my second thought was maybe they're on to something. Maybe they are actually on to something. Maybe some of us, a lot of us would do a lot better if annually or, or biannually, some period of time, some of us would do a lot better if periodically we would go back over the marriage vows. Deal with yourself. Deal with yourself in the mirror. I promise to keep her. I promise to cherish her. I promise to defend her. And sometimes I have to defend her against herself. Woo! I promise to be faithful to her. Am I doing what's required to keep my heart at home? You know, sometimes if you've been married for several years, the fire can go low at home. Oh, hear me, somebody. 
I said the fire can burn a little low at home when you've been married after several years. But that's no reason, that's no reason to terminate your marriage. Maybe it would stay lit longer if periodically we would go back over the marriage vows. Can you imagine, can you imagine the fruitfulness that would come if couples sat down and discussed the marriage vows for three, for four, for five, for six, for seven, eight weeks before they get married? They go over the vows seriously. The meaning of the vows, the depth of the vows, the implication of the vows, the expected outcome of the vows, the pleasures of the vows, the fulfillment of the vows. Can you imagine what would happen if couples spent a significant quality amount of time going over the vows before they get married and just not get married because you got a good feeling? My God, that would have been a blessing to me. Why didn't somebody tell me this 38 and a half years ago? Nobody spoke to us like this 38 and a half years ago. Hallelujah. So I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you, we need to make a big deal of our marriage vows. We need loyalty to our vows. Why are you still married and everything is not going right? Because I promised I would be. I'm committed to my vows. Commitment to your vows, loyalty to your vows will help keep you my God. I don't know if you hear those jets or not, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the flight path of some jets, some F-15s flying out of Kadena Air Base. I'm right in the flight path here. And they fly over my apartment building making a swoop turn to land at Kadena. And that's why you hear those jets. I thought I would come outside on the balcony today. I've got some sunshine and, and it just feels so good out here. I thought I would come outside today and do my recording. But anyhow, anyhow, hallelujah, hallelujah. As I was saying, loyalty to your vows, loyalty to your vows can help sustain your marriage even when things are not going well. And sometimes things in marriage are not going to go well. I'm promising you that. Sometimes things are not going to go well. Why do you stay when things are not going well? One reason is, I promised I would. Let us not forget what God said. Let us not forget what God said when he established marriage way back in the book of Genesis. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And we've got to admit, we've got to admit now, those marriages that end in divorce, those marriages that end in divorce. I told you uh, a couple of months ago, I told you in my series on divorce, we divorce because we choose to divorce. We don't divorce because of adultery. We don't divorce because of an affair. We divorce because we choose to divorce. And we can choose to remain married just like we can choose to divorce. 
But when we can no longer stand the pain, when we can no longer stand the hurt, when we can no longer stand the conflict, oftentimes we choose to divorce. Divorce is the result of human failure. We divorce because we fail. But if we stand on God's word, if we lean and depend on God's word, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. If we practice the marriage vows, rehearse the marriage vows, get serious about the marriage vows, establish loyalty to the marriage vows. I promise that I will keep her, cherish her, defend her, and be faithful to her, her true husband, as long as we both shall live. As long as we both shall live. I took my wife to have her, to hold her from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love her and to cherish her until death parts us. Yeah, we would do well to go over that periodically. We would do well to go over that periodically. I'm telling you, it will do us some good. Are you hearing me today? My goodness, my goodness, I am all out of time. I am all out of time. I've got to get ready to get out of here. I thank you for listening in today. I'm telling you something. Go back over those marriage vows. Get with those marriage vows. Hallelujah. Uh, you've been listening to Marriage and Family Clinic here today. Our mission is to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. And we hope that will help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair and grow and perfect your marriage and your family relationships. Always remember, you can listen to this again. You can listen to this again. Just search my podcast, Bishop C.D. Hodges. Search it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Go over those marriage vows. Practice those marriage vows. I got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. Never forget, you cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. Somebody go get the victory.